So last week we talked about the character principle and how we can put our trust in God versus Satan just by their character and who they are and why we'd want, we should want to follow God instead of Satan. So after watching last week's podcast and listening, how can you practically apply the character principle in your fight against sin? How do you think that you can do that? In Romans 12, 2, it says that we can transform our actions by changing the way that we think. What are some ways that you can begin to change the way you think about God's instructions? How do you think about God's instructions now? Well, this week we're going to continue our discussion on the principles of success in our The Great Divide study, and we're going to get to that right after this. Welcome to Connecting the Gap. Once again, another week has flown right on by. We're getting into, into well into July at this point. 2021 is already about half over and hope you guys had a great year so far. Hope you guys have been enjoying my podcast. been doing that for about 23, 24 weeks now or some, somewhere in that range and we've done quite a few and hopefully they've blessed you. Hopefully they've helped you in some way or other as God has shared uh, through me and used me as a tool to, to spread his word and I hope that you're sharing these out as well uh, to help others. We're just wanting to win some souls for Christ. That's what this is all about. I say that every week, but that's what exactly why we're doing this. Visit my website at connectingthegap.net, and there I have my podcast, my blog, and my YouTube channel. Lots of stuff there, Bible studies and all kinds of things uh, that maybe might minister or speak to you in, in a place that you're at right now. So please go check that out and share those for me today. We're going to get right into this week's episode of Connecting the Gap. And as I said, we're going to continue our discussion that we started last week on principles for success. Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about the original deception and how Satan gets into our lives and how he likes to try to transform us in the way that he wants us to be. And a lot of times it's hard to fight him off. A lot of times it's hard to get past those deceptions and those sins that he throws in front of us because he likes to doctor them up and make them look pretty. And that, like there's something awesome that we want to be a part of, but we know that we don't. And last week we talked about one way that we can fight against what Satan tries to do to us and get past that deception that is in our lives. And the way that we approach that was, is we need to look at the character of the person that's trying to cause us to sin rather than dissecting the sin itself and trying to decide why do we not want to or why are we okay with sinning. We want to look at the character of who's trying to get us to do that. And when we look at Satan, who just comes to kill, steal, and destroy, he's the father of all lies. Um, everything that he tells us is a 100% non-truth. And then we compare that to God, who is the giver of the abundant life. He gave his life to make sure that we have the abundant life. Everything that is about him is truth. Why would we want to sway from doing what God wants us to do and go down that path that Satan wants us to just by looking at their characters. We don't want to follow Satan and the things that he tries to throw at us. So this week we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And we're going to start off with the extreme principle. Last week it was the character principle. This week it's the extreme principle. So another tool to help us see through deception of the enemy is the extreme principle. Uh, 
The extreme principle is the process of magnifying something in order to make it clearer. Sometimes if we focus only on one situation that's right in front of us, it can be easier to be deceived. We can get that tunnel vision and we won't get that big picture. And it'll cause us to, to make a decision and go down a path that we don't want to. But if we push the situation to its extreme and walk down that road in our mind, it often becomes much easier to see whether that choice will prove beneficial or if it will prove harmful for our life. In moral issues, if something is harmful in large doses, it is usually harmful in smaller doses also. It's going to go both ways. For example, the enemy may say something like, Come on, just get drunk this one time. Everyone is doing it. It's no big deal, and besides, it's going to be so much fun. How he likes to, and I'm sure a lot of you guys have probably been in that situation. I know I have, and I failed. I did things that I should not have done. Well, it should be fairly clear that this is sin because it is against the law to drink if you're underage, and the Bible warns us against intoxication. That scripture is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, if you're wondering where that is at. However, if we get lured into weighing our decision based only on that one situation, we may, may be more likely to buy into the enemies. It won't be a big deal if we just do it this one time pitch. To make the situation easier to discern, simply take it to the extreme. Let's say you really go for it of getting drunk. You go to the extreme, you drink as much as you possibly can. Would it really prove to be tons of fun? Would it lead to a happier life? Of course it wouldn't. I remember a time when I had some friends come over and I got majorly drunk and I ended up out in the front yard crawling all over the front yard, throwing up around the trees, by the driveway, all over the place. I eventually passed out halfway in the bathroom and halfway out while my, what, my best friend, quote unquote, was hitting on my wife that night. And how was that fun? I look back at that now and I realize, you know, that was one of the stupidest things that I ever gave into. There was nothing fun about that whatsoever. There's a greater chance that this behavior will cause you to become an alcoholic and destroy your life. When you take it to the extreme, it becomes much clearer. A lot of people are alcoholics today because they started with one little drink that a friend probably pushed in front of them. Or maybe their family, their dad, you know, their parents may have drank or some relatives may have drank and they just made it, glossed it over and made it look okay. And they ended up sinning and that little sin ended up becoming a vice in their life that they could not get, get away from. And alcoholism will kill you. It will take you to that extreme. Perhaps you're tempted to get high. And the enemy whispers, oh, it's going to be so much fun. You'll love it. You can leave all your problems behind. You'll forget anything and everything that's going on in your life right now. It'll be like it's never even happened. Well, let's take it to the extreme and see if it proves to be true. Let's say you get as high as you could and you really dove in head first. Would your problems go away? No. You have a better chance of becoming an addict or ending up in jail. We all know that if we get on drugs or if we drink alcohol to drink or smoke our problems away, those problems are still there when we come back and we get back sober. And probably there's more problems at that point than there was before we even started. It does nothing to get rid of all of that. You can apply this principle to any area of temptation that you are wrestling with. Just take it to the extreme and it will become much clearer how to handle that individual situation. And we have enough history behind us that almost any sin that's ever been attempted 
or has taken place in this world, you can go back and, and see the pattern of that sin in that person's life and see where it ended up taking them. And you, if you do not want to be in that situation where they are, then that is something you need to stay away from. Perhaps you're thinking, but I'm not going to get drunk, or whatever the sin may be. I'll say it again. When it comes to a moral issue, if something is harmful in a large dose, it's not good for you in small doses either. If a lot of drunkenness is bad, a little isn't good for you either. It doesn't matter if it's just a little sin, it's still going to harm you. One of the enemy's favorite traps is to get you to believe that you can control the situation and stop walking down that road of sin whenever you want to. And I'm telling you, I know plenty of people that I've talked to about problems that they've had in their life. They've either came to me for counseling or it's just in random passing. It's my, you know, might be some friends that I've had that I've tried to talk to them about doing some of the things that they're doing. And one of the first comments they've always told me is, well, I can quit whenever I'm ready. You know, I, I just do this for this reason or that reason. It's no big deal. You know, I've stopped before. I can stop again. As much as we would like to believe this, it's simply not the case, though. It's not that easy because once you become addicted and you have to have that vice in your life, it gets a grip on you and it won't let go. Often it takes only one time to bring destruction in your life. There's a lot of people that I know of, myself included, there's a lot of people that I know that had sex only once in their life and got an STD. Or they climbed in a car with a drunk person and now they're dead. I used to work in a fire department. I was a medic. I saw stuff like that happen all the time. The enemy is always tempting you with one objective, to steal, to kill, and destroy. He would rather you die in your sin than to let you continue living here and have a chance to change. He does not want you to change. He does not want you to live a life for Christ. He would rather take you out while you're in your sin and be done with it because that's one more victory that he has. We can test God's commands with the extreme principle too. For example, the Bible tells us to have sex with only the person that we are married to. Let's take this command to the extreme. What if everyone had sex with only the person to whom they were married? Did you know that all sexually transmitted diseases would be wiped off the earth within one generation? Most of the unwanted pregnancies that lead to abortion would be avoided. Our world is scrambling for a cure for AIDS and other STDs. They tell us there is no cure, but there is a cure. If everyone followed the instructions in God's word, there wouldn't be any STDs or abortion or any of that stuff. It's a foolproof solution and how to solve those problems. We could go on and on with this and you know stack up all these different scenarios in our minds and you know play this thing out many different ways God tells us to love one another if we all took that to the extreme could you imagine the results of that no more war no more crime no more hate no more racism what a transformed life that we would all live here on this earth if we would only apply those principles in our life that God wants us to apply on a grand scale when we take things to their extreme it becomes much easier to see both the enemy's deception and to see God's truth. There is a specific divide there where you can see both sides very clearly. The bottom line is that sin will never deliver what it promises, ever. It promises fun and joy and fulfillment, but in the end, it's always going to steal, kill, and destroy you. That's the whole goal that Satan has, and that's what those sins will do if you continue to walk down that path. Sin is like a chocolate-covered dog poop. <laughs> it's about the best way to... To describe this seriously 
When you look at it from a distance, it looks like chocolate. You pick it up and it feels like chocolate. You bring it closer and it even smells like chocolate. You take a little nibble on the outer chocolate covering and it's going to taste like chocolate as long as you don't get past that outer shell. But once you dive in, you're in for a big surprise. Satan is always going to package sin to make it look good. But when you dive in, it's never going to be what you were hoping for. It's not worth giving your life up and selling out to what Satan wants you to do when you have God's promises that he's, you know, all the rewards and the things he's going to give us someday for the, the people that we win to Christ and to, you know, further his kingdom versus what Satan has to offer. A life of destruction and hell and we're going to be miserable the rest for an eternity and it's not worth it. So don't jump. Beyond the character principle and the extreme principle, there are certain spiritual laws that we need to consider. Just as natural laws like the law of gravity govern our universe, spiritual laws govern our lives. No one would stand at the top of a bridge and say, I know about the law of gravity, but I'm going to jump because this time I think I'll float. We would never do that because we know that the law of gravity applies every single time. There's not one time you can jump off that bridge that it's going to be any different. It is the same with spiritual laws. Consider sexual immorality. God created sex for marriage. And in that context, it is a wonderful thing. However, outside of marriage, sex can be destructive to our hearts and lives. The enemy realizes that because sex will almost always give an initial feeling of pleasure. It is a perfect area for him to tempt us in. And I think all of us that are probably you know, watching or listening to this, myself included, that's probably one of the early, quickest ways that Satan's ever tried to tempt anyone, even at a young age. He'll throw the, the magazines and the videos and you know, maybe even the opportunities to be with the opposite sex. And it's hard to turn that down when you really feel like you're being loved by that person and that they really do mean a lot to you. And Satan knows that. He's going to use that as a, a, an initial temptation. He knows that we will often be so caught up in the momentary pleasure that we're going to fail to see the long-term consequences. And there are plenty of those. We all know people who are tempted to jump off the bridge of sexual immorality. Perhaps they even know that it's wrong. But because of the original deception in their lives, they think it's going to be worth it somehow. So they jump, and just like jumping off a real bridge, there's an initial rush. The whole way down, they may say, say things like, Look at me. I'm so free. This feels so awesome. I can't believe I never did this before. Each phrase gets a little fainter as they get closer to the ground. Then just like jumping off a real bridge, eventually you hit the ground. Bam. That spiritual law proves true every time. A boyfriend breaks up with you or a girlfriend breaks up with you and they break your heart. You have feelings of lasting guilt about the way that you treated your girlfriend. You regret giving yourself away. You're pregnant or you get someone pregnant or you contract a sexually transmitted disease. Just like the law of gravity, sin will take you down every single time. The Holy Spirit is going to be there to convict and you're going to feel horrible when you give in to those sins. And when it comes to that, you can run, but you can't hide. The Bible tells us that all sins are going to be exposed. God will expose it. We can all think of times when because of the original deception, we gave in to sin and learned the hard way that it wasn't worth it. I'm sure a lot of you can think of moments in your life that that actually took place. We can also think of times when we gave in to sin and it seemed like a lot of fun. And we can, 
and we can't even think of any consequences. This is another trap of the enemy. Sometimes he will try to keep us from feeling the consequences of our actions to lure us deeper into sin. Even though we may not be able to see them right away, the truth is that there are always consequences to sin. Sometimes they are immediate, while other times they lag behind. But eventually sin will always bring destructive consequences. As you're younger, you don't think about that, and you don't think that's true. I went through that same thing in my life. As I was younger, I was kind of a roller coaster. I was in, I was out, I was in, I was out. But now as I've gotten older, I'm pushing 50, and I look back at my relationships, but the relationship with my wife, the relationship that I had before, because I've been divorced and we have split family, there are a lot of consequences now, the choices that I've made, and I can see those, but it's too a little bit too late. <laughs> I should have changed that stuff back then and done the right thing to begin with, and I didn't. And now I can look back and see those things where I wished I would have done things a little bit differently. Sometimes we sin and we think, well, nothing happened. As a result, we continue walking down the wrong road. This leads to further sin. In some cases, things may still seem okay for quite some time, but eventually we make a certain decision and we end up paying for everything, and it's usually in a big way. Only then do we realize the price that we have to pay for all the things that have led us to that point. It's all going to hit us at once, and that's when it's going to shove us down in that valley, and that's where sometimes we feel like there's no way out. And we get so deep into it, we just don't know how we're going to get ourselves out of it. The danger is that by the time we realize our error, we are often so far down the road that we are usually in huge trouble in the situations that we're in. In those moments, we'll ask questions like, how did I get here? How did this happen? What happened is we finally experienced the consequences of that first bad decision that we thought we got away with. It finally caught up with us. All of those seemingly small and harmless decisions led us down a road that ends in pain and regret. Whether they are immediate or delayed, sin will always produce horrible consequences in our lives. Sin, by definition, is insane. One of the definitions of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Can you see how sin is similar to insanity? Because a lot of times the sins, that, just like we talked about over the last few weeks, those sins are things that we repetitively do a lot of times. We sin, we repent, we go back to it. We sin, we repent, we repeat. We sin, repent, repeat. It seems like it just becomes a ritual in our lives. So often this is exactly our mentality when we sin. We jump off the bridge in some area of sin, hit the ground, and realize that the price wasn't worth it. But when we get tempted again, Instead of learning our lesson, we go right back up that same bridge or another one and we jump into sin again thinking maybe this time it will work out. That's just a crazy way to think because it's not going to work out. The more we jump and hit the ground, the more broken our lives become. And soon we are messed up and hurting. Our brokenness and pain make following Jesus harder and rob us of the experiences that God has for us. Utilizing the extreme principle and the character principle will help you see clearly in the moment of temptation and keep you from being lured off that bridge. You can further protect yourself by finding your own scriptures about things like the character of God, the character of the enemy, the goodness of God, and the pitfalls of sin. There's plenty of scripture throughout the Bible to uh, give you the, the foundations of the differences between the two. Allow God and his word to permanently change what you believe to be true, and that true belief will then 
guide your actions. To overcome the original deception once and for all, we must continue right to the heart of the deception and replace it with truth. That's the only way that this is going to work. We learned that the main goal of the original deception is to destroy trust and that our ability to trust is rooted in what we believe to be true about God's character. To deliver the death blow to the original deception, we must focus on what allows it to thrive, the inaccurate way that we see God. You have to change the way that you think, and you have to change the way that you live your life, and you have to get into the Word and allow God to apply those principles inside of you, and that way you can replace the things that Satan tries to throw in your life with God's ways and the things that he wants. But you've got to have that trust in him. So that wraps up this section. Hopefully that helped you a little bit. If you are struggling with some sin in your life or you're struggling with the great deception, the Bible tells us all the things that are sins. If you have any question whatsoever about what you're doing, if it's a sin in your life or whatever it may be, go to the Word. Get on your knees and pray. God will reveal those things to you. And those sins are all written out in the Bible of how God expects us to live when we live that righteous life to expect those promises that he has for us for an eternity. And so if you struggle with those sins, please get to the word. You can email me at ctgap at outlook.com and you can be anonymous or whatever and just let me know what you're struggling with and I'll pray with you. I'll, I'll join together with you in prayer and stand in that gap and try to help you through that. I've been where you're at before and I'm not perfect now. I still struggle just like I have always. The difference is, is I try to apply God's truth in my life now in order to keep Satan from winning and taking my life for an eternity. I want to live on God's side. I want to further and expand the kingdom for Christ, and I want to see lost sinners saved. That's my whole goal, and I hope that that's your goal also. So again, uh, if you would like to see more podcasts like this and that kind of thing, go to my website, connectingthegap.net, and I've got a lot of podcasts, blog, and my YouTube channel there. Please share, and again, like I said, contact me if you need some prayer or whatever. I can definitely uh, do that with you, and I've got other people that I can get involved as well. Just create a prayer circle where I work at. They have prayer every Wednesday morning and every Monday evening, and I can add those to the list. So you're not alone, and don't ever think that you are. There's people out there standing in the gap and fighting for you, praying for you, and we, we all want to see each other succeed and get into the kingdom of God and be together forever for an eternity, enjoying the goodness of God and everything that he has for us. I hope to see all of you there. I'm done for this week, and we'll be back again next week for our, our next episode of Connecting the Gap. You guys have a blessed, great week. Let God lead and guide you. Trust in him. And he will direct, he will lead your paths and you will be ever thankful for that life that he gives you. You guys have a great one. I'll talk to you next week on Connecting the Gap.